Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and Daily Antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at 9 with us. Oh, yeah. Welcome back, everyone. You are now getting high at nine once again. You are tuned in to High at Nine News. And thank you not only for getting high at nine with us, but also high noon on the East Coast. I'm Rico Lamid, the dopest dad in the street. And it is Friday, March 10th, also Mario Day. Today is National Women's and Girls HIV Awareness Day. So please take care of yourselves out there. National Blueberry Popover Day, something that Gretchen Gailey will sure to celebrate with the dogs dressed up in some stupid outfits national <laughs> international bagpipe day because the scottish absolute blow and national pack your lunch day because takeout is for lames everybody out there watching please like share and hit the subscribe button follow us at hyatt nine news across all social media platforms we are live weekday mornings on youtube and twitch audio only on clubhouse and if you do choose the clubhouse route make sure you participate in the show by raising your hand with a brief comment on the story presented getting things started today with some very 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 spicy news is my partner in crime the cannabis industry's longest continuously operating retailer and also purveyor of the dopest weed in the world best weed in the world jason beck what do you have for us on this friday morning some, some hot news fresh off the presses what you got man Oh, yeah, Rico. You know, I got some hot and spicy because that's the way I like my news. Oh, yeah. Because you know what? Oh, yeah, man. I wish you had a little sound for the Jigga Man because Jay-Z's cannabis brand is accused of illegal activity. That's right. Jay-Z's monogram cannabis brand illegally shipped pot from California to New York filed inaccurate financial reports and engaged in gender discrimination a new lawsuit alleges okay alleges guys kathy c-a-t-h-i clay a former vice president at the parent company tpco a san jose cannabis company that produces the monogram brand made the explosive allegations in a lawsuit last month Clay alleges that TPCO executives harassed and discriminated against her because of her gender and then retaliated after she filed a whistleblower report regarding financial inaccuracies and violations of state cannabis regulations. TPCO manufactures cannabis products, owns 11 retail cannabis locations in California and employees employs more than 650 people, according to Securities and Exchange Commission financial reports. The company produces multiple cannabis brands, including Monogram, the official cannabis brand of the musician Jay-Z and his Rock Nation record label. Sean Carter, Jay-Z's legal name, serves as the chief visionary officer for TPCO, according to an SEC filing. And Monogram has worked with major recording artists, including Jadakiss, 2 Chains, and Current. TPCO told SFGate the lawsuit's allegations are false. The company, in a quote, the company does not comment on active litigation and plans to defend itself strongly against the false accusations, a spokesperson wrote in an email. Rock Nation did not respond to multiple SFGate requests for comment. A representative for Sean Carter could not be reached as well. David S. Ratner, an attorney, Four, Clay declined to provide SFGate with documented evidence of the lawsuit's claims. And in a quote says, we are not comfortable sharing evidence at the early stage of this litigation. Let it surface, uh, let, let it suffice to say that we have concrete, irrefutable proof of each allegation in the complaint, Ratner wrote in an email. 
Clay's lawsuit claims that she experienced years of harassment by the company's executives, including Chief Financial Officer Mike Batesole, B-A-T-E-S-O-L-E. During her time at the company's at the company, Batesole acted in quotes aggressive, demean, demeaning, and publicly questioned Miss Clay's abilities and told Clay she was being treated differently because she used to be nicer. <laughs> According to the lawsuit, Clay also claims that uh, Batty Soul made many inappropriate comments about women hiring housewives to perform a, to perform accounts payable, people of color, and skill sets of employees. The lawsuit claims that Clay's treatment worsened after she warned executives at the company that financial filings with the SEC 2021 and 2022 contained outright inaccuracies in the financial records, and TPCO is a publicly traded company on the Canadian Stock Exchange. Clay also claims that the lawsuit that executives at the company were shipping cannabis products across state lines to New York for a monogram event with Sean Carter. Moving cannabis across state lines is a felony at the federal level, and California's cannabis regulations strictly prohibit shipping legal cannabis out of state. Clay filed a whistleblower report uh, to the company in August of last year and resigned the following day. According to the lawsuit, she claims that she was harassed and discriminated against for reporting the financial and legal violations and was ultimately forced to resign from the company. The lawsuit was filed in Santa Clara County Superior Court on February 16th, and TPCO has 30 days to respond to the lawsuit. According to a summons filed with the court, an initial court here has not yet been scheduled as of yet. But what do you all think about this? Jay-Z, Rock Nation getting wrapped up in some interstate trade before we have interstate trade. And this is Jason Beck digressing for the High at Nine News Hour. What do y'all have to say? Wow. There's some explosive accusations that are being thrown at uh, the man, company. I, man, I smell a rap song coming after this. Oh, I don't even know about this one, man. Uh, <laughs> company is uh every cannabis company is selling cannabis uh from california across across states that's not unusual um it's just that you know somebody was not managing their company very well at the parent company apparently what about the the sexual or the the, the harassment the, the harassment what do you think about that dr t Poor hiring, poor HR, that's really the crime there. Um, yep. But selling across state line is, is like, well, you have to that. Yeah. I, I have a question. What is um, Jay-Z's liability? How involved is he still with this? Because well, remember he's, a he's, month he's, or so ago, he was selling off shares and stuff. So well, is he, he really? He's, he's on the paperwork, on the filing. Yeah, he restructured. chief visionary officer. So he's part of the C-suite on this company. So could they come after like his real money? Yeah, they probably could. not. I don't know. They could. Probably not. No, it's he's probably smart enough to get not deal with that. He's got yeah, he no watch. All of a sudden, there's a RICO case, and all that financial liability could happen upon him. Omar, you're the he real attorney. Let's stop here. listening to Jason Beck. What do you think, Omar? Just saying, bro. Just saying. I think that you know, interstate federal prohibition is not enforced against people who own private jets generally. And so let's not kid ourselves. Like there's not going to be any criminal responsibility for the people involved. Hopefully there will be civil responsibility in civil court. It sounds like despicable conduct, you know, harassing employees and then expecting employees to carry out their little crimes, you know, and ship the weed to the East Coast um, while mistreating the employees. Just to me, seems like very bad business. This shit would not have happened back in the pre-quasi-legalization days because people weren't that stupid to treat people that way. Yeah, she, she she's going to get paid. There's going to be no there's no liability going back to Jay-Z on, on this. Are you saying that cannabis companies <laughs> didn't treat people this way prior to legalization? No, but the ones that did usually uh, ended up with the heat on them. You know, pissing people off is mm -hmm. a sure way to attract heat. Most well, of the successful what about all what what about all the trimigrants up in Humble, the Mendocino County that get treated like that? Yeah, they, they were seen as disposable. Absolutely. Yeah. 
But I'm talking about C-suite people. Like, okay, all right. I just want to make sure that we got some clarification here on all this. There was there was no there was no C-suite in cannabis yeah. until yeah. ten years ago, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> clearly, the higher ups in cannabis didn't go around burning people because it would come back far right. more quickly. Mm-hmm. Right. So I mean, yeah, this is. I mean, it's it will tarnish the brand. However uh, long you know this this whole thing plays out, but it's. Yeah, it's going to be settled out. Of, it's going to be there's going to be a settlement made, and you're never going to hear about this again. Oh, for you sure. You really think gonna it's going to tarnish the brand for real? Really? I mean, is the brand even doing yeah. anything in the first place? I mean, yeah, yeah I know. Yes, there. That's what I was going to say. monogram. Is it uh, like my story uh, when they restructured it? It's never been about monogram. It's been about like an uplift in these black brands and these black um, and these black uh, social equity companies. So um, I feel bad for like Josephine and Billy's and uh, all the workers at Kaliva that'll be feeling the heat from this because they're going to suffer from it. Uh, Jay-Z is not going to really be tarnished uh, um, throughout this. And um, I really, really hope that the allegations aren't true, but I don't think we're ever going to get to the bottom of this. I think she's going to settle with them uh, uh, out of court for some obscene amount of money and we'll never hear about it again. Sounds about right, which is wrong. Yeah. America. I mean, that's, that's, how, that's how America works, Omar. Yes, it is. That's right. It's called the Storm, because Stormy Golden Daniel is a lie. The Golden Rule. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So, uh, so my, my story is actually going to be at the uh, the start of the second half because I got some guests uh, um, coming joining me. So, you want to keep it moving to the next Yeah, yeah. We're going to we're gonna keep it moving. We're going to move it on over. That's right. To the lovely redheaded Gretchen Gailey. Oh, yeah. When Gretchen isn't cooking sausage on Capitol Hill, you can find her cooking up sausage for her dogs and then forcing them to dress up in clown outfits if they want to be fed. And But yet P PETA and all them have no problem with this because Panoptic Strategies represents them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. It's Gretchen Gailey. <laughs> Where Is there ever one Where's fact the, the meat come that comes from? out of your mouth, Jason Beck? <laughs> I, I just don't get it. Uh, <laughs> he does not like me. I love my meat. I eat Is it weird that only you know? Is it weird that only you know how the sausage is made, Gretchen? Lots of people know how the sausage is made. <laughs> I know how the sausage is made. And, and, the, I, I don't and the marijuana industry just refuses to acknowledge how the sausage is made. Well, they, they just don't understand it. They can't accept it. Whatever. And my dogs do not wear clown outfits. They love their pajamas. What, what, it's, not, it's not clownish when they have their tie on sideways? He does not have his tie on sideways. Leave Leo out of this. All right. Let's care about some real news. Marijuana moment. Justice Department backs proposed marijuana sentencing guideline reform to treat past convictions more leniently. The Justice Department is backing a proposal to update a federal commission sentencing guideline suggesting that judges treat prior marijuana possession offenses more leniently, arguing that it aligns with the Biden administration's sentiment towards cannabis policy. Members of the federal U.S. Sentencing Commission vo voted to propose the amendment in January, and at a public hearing on Wednesday, a federal prosecutor testified on behalf of DOJ in support of the cannabis item. As it stands, federal judges are directed to take into account prior convictions, including state-level cannabis offenses, as aggregating factors when making sentencing decisions. But as more states have moved to legalize marijuana, advocates have pushed for updated guidelines to make it so a person's marijuana record doesn't add criminal history points that could lead to enhanced sentences in new cases. USSC's proposal doesn't seek to remove marijuana convictions as a criminal history factor entirely, but it would revise commentary within the guidelines to include sentences resulting from possession of marijuana offenses as an example of when a downward departure from the defendant's criminal history may be warranted. The term downward departure refers to situations where federal judges impose sentences that are lower than the minimum recommended under current guidelines. In essence, the amendment would codify that simple cannabis possession without an intent to sell or distribute it to another person is a prime example of a case that should warrant sentencing discretion. Jonathan Robluski, uh, director of DOJ's Office of Policy and Legislation, said in written testimony 
that the department supports the proposed amendment on revising the marijuana sentencing guidance. He said, the president has made it clear that his views that no one should be in jail just for using or possessing marijuana. Uh, and on October 6, 2022, he issued a pardon proclamation meant to help relieve the collateral consequences arising from these convictions. Robluski wrote, referring to the clemency, President Joe Biden issued for several thousand people who've committed federal cannabis possession offenses. The commission's proposal would accord with that sentiment and also account for the 21 states and territories that have removed legal prohibitions, including criminal and civil penalties for the possession of small quantities of marijuana for recreational use. Philip Talbert, U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District of California, reiterated that positioning in oral testimony before members of the commission during Wednesday's public hearing. He said, the department supports including convictions for the simple possession of marijuana without an attempt to sell or to distribute as grounds for downward departure. The commission's proposal is consistent with the president's views that no one should be in jail for the simple possession of marijuana and his pardon proclamation. It will also account for the many jurisdictions that have decriminalized personal use marijuana possession. In written testimony, Robluski further offered recommended language that he believes could help clarify the circumstances under which a downward department departure in sentencing could be warranted for cannabis cases. Yada, yada, yada. It keeps going. Not all witnesses, though, support the change. The, probate, the probation officer's advisory group, which was established <clears throat> by the commission itself, said in written testimony that it does not believe guidance is necessary for determining whether a downward departure is appropriate for defendants who receive criminal history points for simple marijuana possession offenses. The group pointed out that the possession of marijuana has not been legalized federally and that state laws pertaining to marijuana vary greatly and are continually evolving such that these measures may create greater sentencing disparities. Uh, I like that the Justice Department is trying to do something. If you, if you like just spitting into the wind, Great, go for it, DOJ. Um, but I would love for them to actually do something of real merit. And maybe, I don't know, let's try decriminalizing if you really want to care about simple possession. This is Gretchen Pride, 9 News. I mean, this is just more of the same, Gretchen, more of the same nothingness coming out of the Biden administration. It's 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 more than you got out of the Trump administration or the Obama administration. I'm just saying. I don't so, like that. Whatever. You don't have to buy it. It's free, man. Come on. That's exactly what it is. It's, I'm not buying that. They didn't do shit. Biden's, Biden's up here giving us lip service, but it's at least it's a little something, like a little taste. But come on, man. I, I'd rather oh, have, oh, I'd rather oh, have what you did there, so. like it is than just keep on with his lip service because this isn't doing anything for anybody. Well, Omar, would this really doing, help? It's going to be helping clients of federal public defenders in drug conspiracy cases where the federal government is still pursuing the war on drugs to the max and they're trying to like increase the punishment uh, based on the criminal history. The way that the federal sentencing guidelines work, they determine the length of the sentence in months based on how many criminal history points you have. It's like a bad version of Dungeons and Dragons and the more criminal history points you have, the longer your sentence. So in a way, I think it, this will help people a tiny little bit, but it's still symbolic. It's still half-assed. doesn't really change much. At least we have the Sentencing Commission talking about how, you know, marijuana, the current marijuana regime overstates the severity of the conduct. And so I think that's good to, like, implant that. But we certainly need way better changes. What about people who get caught up because their significant other is the kingpin? There are so many cases of uh, people, generally women, uh, who are serving long sentences because they're just answering the phone and acting as the secretary to the kingpin. And now they get wrapped up in the federal conspiracy. And so I think we have to do away with the drug war. Huge waste of federal dollars. It could be used to help our own people who are suffering from opiate addiction and the drug war only makes drugs, um, you know, drug dealing profitable for unregulated drug dealers. So I just think it's a huge failure. I'm glad they're thinking about it. It's a small start. We got to push them to do more. Small start. Well, and and to 
also to the point that it's a small start, this talks about uh, in the story that in 2014, there were over 2,000 of these marijuana federal possession cases. Uh, last year, there was 145. So yes, uh, Joe Biden is helping by emptying the ocean a teaspoon at a time, I suppose. A teaspoon at a time? But <laughs> that's what he's doing. You know and, and right now, Gretchen? The, what, the, what? the ice shirt, the, the 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 icicles, you know, out in in Antarctica are melting faster than Joe Biden is shoveling with a teaspoon. Right, because of global warming, which you also Gla refuse, refuse to uh, acknowledge. Um, really. <laughs> and it also <laughs> says that these going to be underwater soon, <laughs> and I'm not just talking about the tax bill. And yeah. it also says that these people, on average, get a five month sentence. So if you can keep someone out of jail for five months. All right. Great. That, right. I think that's that what, matters. Who goes to the feds for five months? I'm just telling you what it says. I'm just saying. I don't think that's that's within their protocols. Gretchen is there a lot. You don't go to the feds for is, five months. You go to a halfway right. house. Thank you, Omar. Is, Thank you. But, but, but Omar, Gretchen is our de facto law and order expert. <laughs> that's the funniest thing I've heard all day. Either, either way, five months of being detained anywhere can mess up your life. Yeah, uh, I mean, that can truly out. screw that shit up. Uh, it's not real detention. It can mess up your employment. You don't know it's not real detention. It's not, it's Jason not real Beck. detention. It's not because you're not, you're not in a cell. You're not. You're, and, it, and you don't know if that five months is added on to another charge, Jason Beck. I'm not saying that for five months, they're thrown, go to federal prison for five months. Like this, it's part of an overall. Another charge. They're getting charged with that other charge. That other charge carries way more penalties and stipulations. I time get it. This does. I'm aware. Okay. I understand. I want you to stay. However. This also adds on time. Hey, 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 hold on, hold on. We have. Do you not get Dwayne, that? We have Dwayne, uh, uh, Dwayne Von Eatson in the chat says his stepmom did 120 days in the feds for smuggling case. So it looks like Gretchen has some uh, carrying some weight on her end of this argument. Sure, it Jason. could be somebody who was like in pretrial release and then eventually took a deal for time served and got out. Yeah, I can see that. My dad did five years for, for, for cannabis that didn't even exist. It was a, a drug sting, DEA drug sting, and uh, he was buying a certain number of pounds, less than the hundred. Showed up. There was multiple people there for this deal. The fucking feds busted in. Everybody got charged with a hundred pounds, and uh, yeah, awesome. They all got charged with conspiracy, huh? Conspiracy. Uh, it was a drive-up. Yep. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. That, 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 that's a good, great conversation, you guys. Uh, we, we, we missed a commercial. We got to go pay this bill real quick. We'll be right back. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. Oh, yeah. Rico, is your guest ready? Your guest isn't ready yet, right? You're supposed to be coming in at yeah, 9.30. Okay, perfect. So we're going to go to Dr. Talleyrand then next. Let's do it. Oh, yeah. Dr. Talleyrand is the founder of Medican and has been writing recommendations so long, he probably wrote your parents' recommendation and maybe even your grandparents' recommendation, depending on how old you are today. That's right. He's been doing this longer than pretty much anybody writing recs and writing scripts, and I just happened to get mine today also. That's right. It is the Dr. Gene Talleyrand. You didn't come to me, Jason? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have a doctor across the street from the shop. and they just, Oh, that's convenient. Yeah, that's it's very it. convenient. I apologize. So, sad Friday today, everyone. Uh, Raphael Machulam, father of cannabis science, dies at age 92. Uh, this story is in Cannabis News by Leo Bear McGinnis. The news comes from friends and colleagues who have shared their condolences and tributes. David Deddy Mary, an associate professor at Technion, Israel Institute of Technology, and a colleague of Machulam's said the following in an online statement on March 10th. This is a very sad day for me, for the science community, 
and for the cannabis community. Professor Rafael Machulam, or as we called him Rafi, was one of the greatest scientists I ever met and was my teacher and mentor in many aspects. I truly believe he was des deserving of a Nobel Prize. Thank you, Rafi, for all the great things you did and discover in your life. And thanks for all the help and support you gave me. Rest in peace, my dear friend. Among his many achievements, Dr. Machulam is credited as the first person to synthesize THC. Machulam was born in Sofia, Bulgaria, Bulgaria in 1930 in a Sephardic Jewish family. His family later relocated to Israel where Machulam studied chemistry. In the early 1960s, while working as a chemist at the Wiseman Institute, Machulam acquired some cannabis material from the Israeli police with the intention of isolating and identifying the psychoactive component of the plant, which had never been done at the, at the time. <clears throat> Morphine had been isolated from opium in the 19th century or early 19th century, Machulam told CNN in an interview in 2014, Cocaine had been isolated from coca leaves in the mid-19th century, and here we were, the mid-20th century, and yet the chemistry of cannabis was not known. So it looked like an interesting project. He succeeded and made the discovery of tetrahydrocannabinol, THC. He and his colleagues then went on to isolate, elucidate, and synthesize several more cannabinoids as the chemicals became known, including cannabidiol, CBD, cannabigerol, CBG, and cannabichromine, CBC. These discoveries laid the foundation of cannabis chemical research and helped prompt future discoveries, such as the elucidation of the body's own cannabinoid receptors in the 1980s and 90s. During his speech, he urged the scientific community to support more medical cannabis research uh, this is a speech that Dr. Machulam gave at a Canamed conference um, to support more medical cannabis research and lamented the research time already lost and the patients that had missed out on cannabis-based treatments for conditions such as epilepsy. Did we have to wait 30 years? No, he said in 2019. We could have helped thousands of children and we didn't. Rest in peace, Dr. Machulam. Yeah, very I mean, sad news. very sad news. I mean, this is this is the doctor that 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 found the THC molecule and is really responsible for a lot of the cutting edge discoveries and research that uh, that Israel has been the the leading uh, educator on on cannabis sciences. Yep, that's right. And if he wasn't so sick, stigmatized, he uh, would have <clears throat> received the Nobel Prize. Or if cannabis wasn't so stigmatized, he would have received the Nobel Prize. Already, do you think? Do you think um, in the long run, Dr. D, it'll be uh, given to him posthumously? Uh, possibly. I don't know really possibly. how that works with, with the Nobel. Yeah, but possibly but that would be a good idea. Yeah. That'd be great. I wonder, uh, Dr. Felicia is uh, coming up to to say something in regards to this, um, but I wonder which which cannabis company is going to be the first one to reach out to them to do some type of licensing deal with uh, with his name. Dr. Felicia, what do you have to say on this? Good afternoon, everyone. Um, I remember in an interview, Dr. Mishulam approached the United States for funding in the 1960s, and he was told that we don't have a problem with marijuana in America. So shortly after that, he elucidated the structure of TAC, and then a senator, I believe, son started messing with uh, cannabis and then they came back to Mashulam to study the plant. And that's how his funding from the United States began. So I just wanted to show that. And I put in the chat that there's a documentary, an excellent documentary about his life um, called The Scientist that's available on YouTube also. Oh, amazing. Thank you so much, Dr. Felicia. That is in the Clubhouse chat. Uh, I'm going to try to figure out how we can uh, get this over there onto YouTube. I'm not sure how to do that, but uh, we'll try to get that out there. To show I'll you add guys. it. I'll uh, add it for you. Oh, you're the best. Thank you so much, Dr. Felicia. Dr. Talleyrand, you had something you were starting to say. I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, no. You know, you know, one other thing, uh, actually, 
he did submit a patent for um, CBDA, uh, uh, but a specific kind of CBDA that's more stabilized than the natural product. So he was very much interested in producing pharmaceutical grade um, cannabinoids for um, for research and sale. Interesting. Very, very sad day for cannabis. We definitely lost a yes. uh, true, true hero and true pioneer and trailblazer in this space. And uh, um, his discoveries will, you know, will always live on uh, for, forever. But uh, we we will definitely miss him. We got to yeah, I think he was a true giant and he's known as the father of cannabinoid research. I mean, he really did a lot of work on the endocannabinoid <laughs> system. And so he's going to be, his work is going to be studied for decades and it's foundational yes. to much cannabis research. Uh, so I think anybody who is in the cannabis space and doesn't know who he is needs to learn about him. Yes. May he rest in power. 100%. Take this ad out. Yeah, we, we gotta run this ad. Keeping up to date on the evolving policies of relevant state, local, and federal governments is key to success. When the future of your business is at stake, you need representation as dedicated as you are. With a maze of laws and regulations surrounding cannabis, hemp, and psychedelics, knowing where to begin can be a challenge. Good thing the law offices of Omar Figueroa features a skilled, highly focused team ready to guide you through it all. They're accepting new clients in California and New York. So make sure you check them out at info at omarfigueroa.com. The thoughts and opinions and general overall shade thrown a high and non news are those of the individual speakers, not those of any other speaker or its followers. The statements may do not constitute legal or accounting advice, and our speakers make no representations regarding the legal status of any area, territory, or any authorities. The views expressed in this room do not establish any fiduciary relationship, and our sponsors do not imply or constitute any endorsement by us or the expression of any opinion whatsoever on the part of any speaker on stage. If you're an easily offended person, the show is probably not for you. And maybe you should go and buy some monogram because they're going to need some money to pay their legal bills. When you want to grow some of the best weed in the world, then you must start with the best genetics in the so world. Go to www.dnagenetics.shop to order regular feminized or autoflower beans. All of your favorite DNA genetics cultivars such as Kosher Kush, Skywalker Kush, and oh yeah, Chocolate Truffle Shuffle. Boasting more cannabis awards for their award-winning genetics than any other company in the world. Remember to go to www.dnagenetics.sh H-O-P to see why our Terps don't lie. Oh, yeah, that's right. Are we ready, Rico? Are your, your people here? Otherwise, we'll just go and move right on. Are, they, are, they, are, are, they, are they in the back? I don't, you know, I, I don't got access to the green room like that. We're just going to keep on moving on. Keep All right. Going. I'm going to keep it rolling. Coming up next, he's a lawyer. He's a high-flying Brazilian jiu-jitsu rock star who will whoop your ass on the mat as well as in the courtroom and whose recent book is still available on Amazon. Um, I'm forget. I'm trying to find the title, Omar, but I don't see where it went. It oh, just disappeared. California Cannabis Laws and Regulations. Thank you so her. much, Omar. California Cannabis Laws and Regulation. That's right. It is Omar Figueroa. Thank you, Jason. Happy Friday, everyone. My story is from the Eureka Times Standard by Jackson Guilfoyle. The headline is Humboldt County Cannabis Growers Strongly Oppose Pot Initiative. After hearing a staff report and voluminous public comment on a ballot initiative that would enact a slate of new permitting rules for cannabis farms, the Humboldt County Board of Supervisors unanimously voted to form an ad hoc committee to potentially change the initiative. The Humboldt County Cannabis Reform Initiative, which received over 7,000 petition signatures and will be on the March 2024 ballot, would eliminate mixed light and indoor farming, limit the number of permits the county can issue, cap farm size to 10,000 square feet, and only allow one cultivation permit to be issued per person or corporation. 
Humboldt County Planning and Building Director John Ford told the supervisors that the initiative, if approved by voters, would destroy the viability of legal cannabis farming in the county. We could see farms shutting down just because they can't comply with the regulatory requirements that have been put in place, Ford said. The supervisors also heard hours of universally negative public comment. Growers, cannabis interest groups, residents, and other businesses spoke to the board to describe their opposition. Cannabis farmers told the board the initiative would put them out of business. One commenter, Matt Kurth, owner of Humboldt Cannabis Tours, told the supervisors that if passed, the initiative would destroy cannabis tourism in Humboldt County within a year. This is an existential threat to cannabis tourism, Kurth said. If we want to do cannabis tourism at all in the future here in our county, that means this initiative can't pass. Other commenters told the supervisors that they signed the petition and regretted it because they feel that either they didn't completely understand the impact it would have or that they were intentionally misled over how it would affect the county's cannabis farmers. The proponents of the bill, Mark Thurmond and Elizabeth Watson, were not present for the meeting. Thurmond did not respond by the time standards print deadline but Watson said she was attempting to access the meeting via Zoom, but was going through power issues at her home in Neeland. She added that Thurmond has not been able to leave his property in Neeland for eight days due to snow and road closures. Watson said she and Thurmond will meet with the ad hoc committee next week, but that they are unwilling to pull the initiative if the supervisors ask. The cannabis industry is in the ditch and we haven't done a thing yet. Our idea is we think that this is an important part of our economy and we think the initiative will set the county up for when the feds legalize and things come back up, Watson said. It's a boom bust kind of thing. We think we're looking to the future. Watson said she and Thurmond would be issuing a news release next week responding to Ford's conclusions about the initiative. The initiative would also cap permits at 900, and the county is at 1027 applications, meaning no new applications would be accepted, Ford said. We get it's unattainable, it's probably unenforceable, and it just doesn't put a nail in the coffin, First District Supervisor Rex Bone said. It digs the hole, names the cemetery, and puts everybody in a mass grave and I just don't think that's where we need to be at right now. My take, well, as the newspaper of record for Humboldt County, the Times Standard could have done a lot more digging and needs to write a lot more about this issue. You can find out more about why the half-baked Humboldt Cannabis Reform Initiative is destined to fail at its website, which is cannabisinitiative.org. I think the way to save cannabis growers is clear. Allow direct-to-consumer sales and interstate commerce, and you will see craft cannabis thrive the way that craft beer does. The headline is, Humboldt County Cannabis Growers Strongly Oppose Pot Initiative. This is Omar Figueroa, lawyer, publisher, and Gangier instructor, reporting from Sonoma County, California, the traditional territory of the Pomo, Miwok, and Wapo nations for High at Nine, High Noon Eastern. This I don't understand. News. Who's electing these people to put forward such an initiative? These I are mean, some locals that, that uh, got the signatures on because they thought that Humboldt County, the, that the local, the local uh, process was a mess. So they figured they would make it a bigger mess. Right, but the supervisors have said that they won't take it back or they're they're not going to pull the thing. Yeah, so they're trying to, you know, they're, they're trying to study it to death with a, with their ad hoc committee. Uh, either way, I don't understand this. Is, this. this is uh, I crazy. mean, cannabis is the lifeblood of Humboldt and they are the one community that's going out of their way to extinct these people. I don't I don't understand it whatsoever. I I, I got moved to Humboldt and I got to fix that place. I mean, good lord. 
They need to understand where their money's been coming from, who are the workers in their community, what their community is about. I'm, I'm not about, you know, making the world the, the world of Republicans and all that bullshit. I'm about community and people understanding where their strong suits are and making it work for everyone. And I just don't understand this crap. This is clearly a place that has thrived for years. It was built upon community and it was built upon cannabis. And all of a sudden they're trying to turn their back on it and they wonder why it's going down in flames. Freaking morons are killing me. I like what she Anna pisses said me about off. This. I like what Anna said about this. Studied to death basically is what they did. And that's what yep. they're going to it. Studying it to death. It's like it's like it's like a it little sounds like some Democrat shit. grade science class when you have to kill the frog and dissect it. It, it sounds like the, the Chuck Schumer approach to cannabis legislation. We're, 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 we're discussing it. We're studying this. We're doing it. Like, do something, motherfuckers. Democratic approach. I mean, look at the states that are really thriving. Most of them are run around by, by Republicans. Or you can go the other route with the Republicans and just do a bunch of shit and just hope that it doesn't fuck up everything else in there at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Which path are you going to take? <laughs> you know it's true. That's oh boy, here we go. Generally, you know, right. elephants, elephants can clear their brush pretty easily. We got to go to a quick commercial, real quick. We're gonna be right back. Let's do it. Coming up next, we have the goat dad himself. That's right, Rico Lameet. When Rico is not babysitting or house hunting, you can find him pretty much doing nothing else because that is all that he is doing right now because there was a tragic gangbanging incident on the internet. That's right, because the internet <laughs> gangbanging world is so real in South Central LA that he's having to move. That's right. That's right. He's busy house hunting, and if anyone else can help him out, they would very much appreciate it. That's right. Is the dope dad himself, Rico the Meat. All right, y'all. So I have a special treat for everybody on this uh, on this Friday morning for everybody on the East Coast, uh, on the West Coast, and, and afternoon on the week on the East Coast. So back in <clears throat> 1977, four art house visionaries, Mobius, Druyer, Dionet, and Farkas, brought their magazine Metal Herlant to America with controversial, groundbreaking artwork that would change the face of sci-fi, fantasy, and horror genres forever. They created and published Heavy Metal, a, a American science fiction and fantasy comics magazine known for mind-bending visuals, controversial content, and a deep bench of globally sourced artistic innovators. At the time, a vast majority of American comic books would willingly bow down to the suppressive censorship of Comics Code Authority, formed in 1954 by the Comics Magazine Association of America as an alternative to government regulation following a widespread moral save the children panic centered around a series of Senate hearings and publication of the popular psychiatrist Frederick Wortham's book, Seduction of the Innocent. At the height of his influence, the CCA was the de facto censor for the entire U.S. comic book industry, but heavy metal gave zero fucks. Exercising his First Amendment right to free speech, the brand went on to publish 45 years of adult-themed work that featured explicit content with a brand of dark fantasy, science fiction, erotica, and steampunk comics. Now focused on comprehensive fan experience unique in the entertainment industry, HME delivers content across print publishing, new media, TV, film, and animation content studio, and now cannabis. They'll be bringing decades-old reign of counterculture terror to the industry through a collaborative effort with Massachusetts, uh, Massachusetts cultivator Berkshire Roots, launching this weekend at NECAN out in Boston with a unique line of weed products they say will be something that we've never seen before. So I got some questions. And with us today, we have James Winokur and Tommy Coriel. I'm brought to us by Stu Zakum, uh, 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 Zakum out in uh, NECAM. You guys on with us? Got your audio on? 
Yeah, come here. We have here. Uh, Is it on mute? We can't hear him, Stu. Yeah, switch to Clubhouse. We get, the, we get the audio on with you guys, too. I think I'm going to switch them over to Clubhouse. So they have a unique brand of product coming out. There we go. Yeah, we can, can kind of hear you guys. I don't know. We can, can you hear us? Can you hear us? I don't know, y'all. Tell Steve to switch over all? to uh, uh, the, the Clubhouse and get some audio on you. All right, so um, what, what I thought was unique uh, from the story here, it came out in several publications, High Times, Celeb Stoner, everybody was covering these guys because they were absolute uh, counterculture gods in a comic book magazine that actually bucked the trend when everybody was coming out with that Save the Children bullshit back in the, uh, uh, back in the 60s. And uh, we're seeing a lot of that now, too. And they want to bring that same energy to the cannabis industry. And they say they're going to be doing it uniquely um, uh, through cannabis. And I, I just want to know how they're going to do that. Uh, they have a brand launching out today and um, they're giving us exclusive rights to the story, telling us exactly what they're going to be doing with there. If anybody has seen uh, um, any of the heavy metal uh, uh, um, um, album covers and everything with like scantily clad women hanging over men, um, they've got all kinds of erotica comic books and all that shit that was coming out in the 80s. These guys were behind that shit. And now they said that they're going to do the same thing in Massachusetts comics. So um, any of you uh, boomers in the room, Jason, <laughs> that can speak to what was going on in the, in the 80s and, uh, and how uh, death metal was coming out. And all these guys had like, you know, the women in bikinis and, and, and all the men with, uh, with all, they're all ripped up because steroid, uh, 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 because the consequences of steroids did not exist back then. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> Dude, I loved, I loved that movie as a kid, the heavy metal cartoon movie. That shit came out. It was a, Sammy Hagar was the fucking, uh, the lead song, you know, call it heavy metal. That dude, Nothing. There was nothing out like it of its kind. Um, you know, the Conan movie was like the closest kind of thing. Kind of, I mean, dude, for for a teenage, shit, I wasn't a teenager in the. Oh fuck, I was a teenager in the eighties. Anyway, for a teenager, that shit was awesome. <laughs> I, was, I couldn't wait to hear about it. I hope we get him back. We do have we do have a Dan Danielle from from Berkshire Root in Clubhouse. Excellent. Um, are, are you with us, Danielle? You're gonna have to unmute if you want to be able to speak. We want to hear about this brand. I got some questions for y'all. Where y'all at? Going once, going twice. Oh, there All we right, go. Can you hear me? Yeah, there we go. There yes, go. there we go. We did it. I'm so sorry. No, you, you're, you're good. Tommy, all right. So I guess I'm quick. We gotta we gotta go quick here. We're running out of time. So got a couple of questions uh, for you guys. Congratulations on. Uh, um, not only 45 years of success in the adult counterculture comic world, and uh, um, but welcome to the cannabis industry. Um, well, thank, real quickly, thank with, you, with, by with, the way, with, yes, thank you for nailing the intro of what heavy metal is. That was unbelievably impressive. You are a student for sure, and nailed oh, man, research, phase brand, dude. That was really impressive. Um, I appreciate that. But um, uh, so besides being the first legendary adult-themed art house that I know of, at least uh, uh, to do a cannabis collaboration. What will be specifically unique about the products that you're launching here at, uh, at NECAN this weekend? Yeah, so, you know, it was really important for us being the kind of trailblazing brand that we are to make sure that our entry point cannabis wasn't just uh, just a basic product line. So what we've done is kind of taken the art and the history of heavy metal and integrated it into both the packaging and the fan experience. So, you know, each individual package will have collectible art inside of it, and then there'll be QR codes that'll take you to various different pieces of content and experiences through the heavy metal universe. So new comics, old comics, you know, eventually live action com uh, content through our studio, uh, AR and VR, etc. So it's about creating like this, you know, interactive 360 fan experience in addition to just really high quality canvas project products, you know, that are uh, manufactured and cultivated by our partner at Berkshire Roots. No, I, I, can, I can dig it. Is this going to be just a limited run or is it a long-term partnership? What's going on here? No, no. This is uh, this is the beginning of, uh, of an ongoing product line that will be available you know, through Berkshire Roots dispensaries and also 
uh, at other dispensaries and delivery services throughout the state. Um, you know, there's a, a, a coordinated launch happening in April. Um, and, you know, we're excited for this product line to be around for a long time. I can dig it. And, and how is success going to be measured on both the HME side and uh, on, on Berkshire sides? We've seen a lot of flash in the pan uh, um, collaborations here. This is a little different uh, on, on the background of it, but uh, how, how are you guys going to measure success here? I'm going to hand the microphone over to James. I'm going to let him answer that question for Berkshire. Let's know how will success be measured you know, long term by Berkshire and Heavy Metal? Hello there. This is James Winokur. How are you? What's happening, brother? Appreciate you joining us. Love it. So how, how, how are you guys going to measure success? What's, what's, what's going to be the, um, uh, the barometer for you guys? So we've been in business a long time in Massachusetts, opened in April 2018 with medical, 2019 with adult use. So we have very good benchmarks on velocity in our own stores and at wholesale. So we're going to use those benchmarks to judge the success of heavy metal. We think there's a longer term opportunity, though, as they develop new assets, film, animated, live action, that this brand's going to grow. The general public will be more aware of it. So we have a, a long-term plan as well. I can dig it, man. Anybody else in the room? I know we're short on time. Anybody else in the room got um, uh, questions for uh, Yeah, I got uh, heavy metal. a couple. How, how many cultivars are uh, are you coming out with for heavy metal? And and, and what are we looking at? What, what kind of cultivars are we looking at for the heavy metal brand? So we developed a complete product line for heavy metal. We do manufacture almost every product category ourselves for Berkshire Roots. I really thought it was important to have all the product categories covered. So we will have flower eights, pre-rolls, blunts, infused blunts, vape carts, both uh, full of vape carts and disposable. We will have edibles, both chocolate and chews, which are our gummy version, and concentrates. So full suite of products. You had a question for him too, Jason? Are any of them going to have any classic names that reflect the heavy metal brand? So all the products we developed started with three brand new strains. Our edibles products, we have both what I would call a regular chocolate bar and what I refer to as a palate challenging chocolate bar. Uh, spot on for the heavy metal brand. That is a raspberry habanero bar. Ooh. And then the concentrates are derived from that. We're doing some solventless carts. So pretty high terpene, heavy hitting stuff for heavy metal. But you don't you, you don't have like any like any like special theme names of the strains or anything that are that are significant to the heavy metal brand. So what we did is look at the uh, artwork and the storylines and incorporated that into the packaging and the overall customer experience. So each one of those product categories is associated with a collection, we call them. So there's a 1981 collection, which refers to the original movie, a Cold Dead War collection, which is kind of the zombie apocalypse. I refer to as the face melting concentrate. Oh, so yeah. Each, yeah. One of those, each one of those has their own collection. So would you say that the demographic that you're going after for your product is an older crowd? Well, I think we have the opportunity for people who are older like me to recognize the original 1981 movie and everything that followed. And as heavy metal develops new assets, we have an opportunity to grow the brand with new consumers who get you know, visibility in the mainstream world, let's say, to heavy metal. So again, with that long-term vision, we think we can incorporate both the history of it, and then looking forward. I can dig it, man. We wish you the utmost um, um, love and uh, um, success out there at NECAN in Massachusetts. And uh, hopefully, you know, interstate commerce does not exist yet, but hopefully I'll be able to get my hands on some of that <laughs> shit. And uh, we'll give it a taste <laughs> test here in Los Angeles. I, I got a question Stu. about the, the art. Is the format for the art for the collectibles, is it like baseball cards? What do you get exactly? They are. I wish you could see them. They are kind of baseball card-like. And we have artwork incorporated into the packaging. So it's a little bit of a Easter egg. You open the package. You get a piece of artwork. You pull that out. Collectible. And inside the packaging is another piece of art. So we're really drawing on the great artists from heavy metal within the packaging itself. 
So I guess you have to be really careful when you open this packaging then, right? So then that way you don't damage any of the artwork. That is true, but we've made it in a way that I don't think uh, we're too concerned about that. I think people are going to love recording it, posting it on their social, you know, kind of the unboxing experience is going to be fun. I can dig it, man. Definitely thank you guys for joining us today, man. Sorry about the technical difficulties there. And can't wait to see you guys, uh, what you guys do. And, um, and, and hope you're successful out there in the great awesome. Northeast. We got to keep it moving here. Yes, thank you guys very much. Have a great time over there at yes, Nican. We have a lot of friends out there at that uh, that event going out there right now. So shout out to everyone attending Nican Cannabis. Oh, yeah. So, so bring it up. What was that? Oh, no, okay. he, was just, he was just saying thank you. We got a commercial, though, Rico. Let's go. Let's run it. Run the commercial, Adam. He is a fellow dope dad and claims that Delta 8 has kept him out of the long arms and the long grip of old age. <laughs> kept his boyish good looks thanks to dabbing Delta 8 on rooftops in Austin, Texas. Come to the stage next and bring us home our last story of the day. It's Stone Slade. Oh, Rico, Rico. Listen, the world knows the only time I've smoked Delta 8 was with you, you <laughs> on a rooftop in Austin. You don't go today almost, I think. Anyway. I, can't, I, I, can't, I, I can't talk so much as shit about uh, Delta 8 unless I try it. And the only time I've tried it was with you. And um, I'll, I'll at, at your request. I didn't want to do that. Anyway, I had on. to, man. We talked so much shit about it. We had to. Okay. What, what okay. you got for us today, my brother? I was going to have a fun story today. Aaron Rodgers is going to be like a speaker at a, at a psychedelic conference, but I'm, I'm not going to go there today because I found this story. And I'm getting sick of the story and it's pissing me off. We're all seeing it too much. This one comes out of San Diego from Audra Stafford at NBC7. I'm just kind of like, I'm lazy. I'm not going to tell you. I'm just going to read this article and then kind of give you my opinion on it. I usually throw more pizzazz. But anyway, new research shows a dramatic increase both locally and nationally in the number of young children ending up in the hospital after eating cannabis products. According to the 2022 California Marijuana Impact Report, the number of calls to poison center uh, control centers nationwide for kids 0 to 12 years old who had ingested cannabis products went up more than 2,000% between 2016 and 2021. The report also found the majority of poison control calls in California for ingesting cannabis were for children under the age of five. Researchers said earlier this year there had been a marked increase in recent years among seniors visiting emergency rooms for cannabis users, and now we're hearing more about the kids. Rowdy Children's Hospital pediatrician Dr. Natalie Lobb said her average patient suffering from the effects of cannabis ingestion is just two years old. We're seeing kids getting very sick, Lobb said. Even just one edible that looks harmless like a gummy bear can cause kids to have seizures, stop breathing, and end up in the intensive care unit. Lobb said that about 80% of the cases, uh, the children were discovering edibles in their home environment. They're finding edibles that are left in purses and bedside tables on the ground in junk drawers, wherever these edibles are, and they're eating them because they're delicious and they're colorful and they look like gummy bears, Lobb said. Lobb has been studying cannabis ingestion with children since 2014, when adult use cannabis was legalized in California, she said that before 2020, there were five to six cases a year at Ratty Children's Hospital. Last year, Lobb said there was more than 150 cases, and they're tracking even more this year. More research is needed to determine, not really, but determine what the increase is. Uh, according to Lobb, in the meantime, she said it's critical for those to consume, who consume edibles to keep them out of the reach of children. There's a thought. She went on to say, you have to think of cannabis products like you would any other medicine in your house. Uh, you can, can make a child sick, so you got to keep it up high. You got to keep it locked up in a childproof container. It's it's colorful, it's attractive, and blah blah blah. She goes on there. People, the problem isn't cannabis. It's not the colorful candy, and it's not the cartooning packaging. In this case, it's not even the Delta Eight. No, it's just dumb motherfuckers stupidly leaving their edibles where their dumbass kids can find them. It's common fucking sense, and it's not so fuck common these days. I'm Stone Slave reporting for the Hyatt Nine News Hour. Keep your shit where your kids can't get it, please. 
I have a question for uh, Dr. Talleyrand. Dr. Talleyrand, uh, this woman refers to children, uh, you know, not being able to breathe. Is this something you've heard of before? Is this a something that could happen to a very small child ingesting? Is there anything different in a child's anatomy that could cause that? Or Dr. Felicia, if you're out there still. No, I, I, I'm not sure why the children were not being able to breathe. What we know is that the the cannabinoids at least do not, are, there are very few receptors for the cannabinoids in the respiratory center of the brainstem. So it doesn't suppress breathing like opiates might suppress breathing. So I'm not quite sure why they're indicating that they're having trouble breathing. Uh, um, th there seems to be a lot of questions in the statements that were made um, that may not have to do all with uh, cannabis. I, I, agree I agree with Dr. John. There's nothing to stop anyone from breathing. There may be other things in the product, but it, it wouldn't be cannabis. It would... So you cannabis is not maybe, responsible. Maybe so two out of two doctors agree that cannabis is not responsible for the, the slowing down of the breath. So 100% Stone. Of doctors... I'm yeah. sorry, Stone. Who is the chick who is making these agree. comments? Who's, is Law the doctor? What's her... She is a uh, pediatrician, Dr. Uh, Natalie Lobb at the Ratty Children's Hospital. Hmm. Is it because it's a Ratty Children's Hospital that she's making these comments? It could be. You know, it's it's just the shit's happening because people are stupid, you know, and, and, and it just gives prohibitionists an opportunity to sprinkle in some bullshit when these stories right. come out. Maybe there is no, you know, problem with reading. It sounds to me more like they're globbing it on than sprinkling yeah, it on. Exactly. Exactly. No, there's there's no, no indication this is regulated cannabis. You know, it's probably like trap cannabis that's contaminated, and those contaminants are causing the side effects. It's not mm -hmm. cannabis that's causing this. What, what do you have to say on this, Dr. T? What were you saying? Notice that there were no comments on the outcome. You know, all of them, all of the kids were able to make it home, uh, likely. I, I, there was no comment on that. So I. I, uh, you know, are, are, were there any long-term consequences to this? Um, no comment on that either in the article. So I, I'm curious. Those are my questions. Yeah, and yeah, like, what's up with the publications of putting these stories out without fucking consulting with doctors first? But it's, it's, it's a doctor is quoted in the publication, Rico. So they don't need to. That's not how it works. Do a background, yeah. do a background check on her. Like, who's paying her? Follow the money. Oh, okay. here we go. Um, <laughs> they find the doctor that says what they want him to say, basically. She, she, come on. Yeah. Announcements. Yeah, I have a small, 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 small quick announcement for everybody. Um, my, my, my good friend uh, who, who passed, uh, Michael K. Williams, pretty famous actor known from the... Uh, uh, show uh, yes thank you Rico the wire uh, his his daughter messaged me and they just recently opened up in New Jersey a smoke sip and paint and they are located at 116 North 7th Street in Camden New Jersey and it's, a, it's like a consumption area where people can smoke create art all kinds of cool stuff so if you happen to be in the New Jersey area make sure you go and check them out you can crossfade. Oh, you can crossfade cross it. I'm, yeah. Well, yeah. You can huff paint and smoke weed at the same time. Get it. Hey, hey. <laughs> if, if anybody's in in the Austin, Texas area, don't forget to come out to that outlaw party from our own Liz Grow over at Yes. Yeah. Happening yeah. South by Southwest is taking effect. I'm about to go downtown and get crazy with no Rico Lamite, so I'm not smoking Delta Eight this year. You're just dabbing. Hey, hey. You just you just you're gonna be snorting Delta Eight. Stop it. Uh, <laughs> snorting some <laughs> Delta Eight lines. If you need in, you're stuck outside. Text Rico; he'll get you inside the building. Hold on, I thought we were telling people to text this bro. <laughs> This girl, this girl will be giving live Delta Eight uh, cultivation tips. Excellent girl. I just kidding. <laughs> That's where I'll be. Come out and see me. <laughs> oh, awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Take us out, Jason. Yep, yep. That's where we're going, man. Thank you all 
so so much for tuning in and getting high at nine with us every monday through friday at 9 a.m pacific and high noon on the east coast big thank yous to our audience and supporters for always tuning in daily and listening to the insanity that is the developing cannabis industry thank you to all of our haters for always talking and thinking about us because we have the most immaculate pieces of property rent free in your head you should come over sometime and see the new artwork we just got huge thank you to our sponsors true classic i spire wizard trees dna genetics laxc for always rocking on with us and thank you to our correspondents for being absolutely amazing thank you for cannabis sativa l for always giving a reasons to do this every day and thank you to cloud media partners house of fuego green street and oh yeah zaza simone brown holding it down in clubhouse to help us create this space thank you all for getting high at nine with us it's america's number one daily cannabis news show have a great weekend everybody.